All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, speaking to you uh, today is the, um, uh, well, what are we looking at here? We're looking at uh, the 17th of January already. Uh, half, of, half of January is gone. It's certainly been a good start for those of us invested in the gold mining sector, that's for sure. But boy, time flies fast. Um, I'd you like to remind you that I am the host, uh, I am also the um, editor, I should say, of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe to that newsletter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. And I should mention uh, that you can uh, sign up at least temporarily now for a three-month subscription for just $69. Uh, it is a most exciting time in this sector because, uh, well, it's just fun to own gold shares again uh, when you can make some money in them. Uh, Chen Lin, uh, is still a good friend of mine. He's no longer formally attached to Taylor Hard Money Advisors as he was. We no longer provide the f- uh, subscription fulfillment services for uh, ch- what is Chen buying, what is Chen selling. Uh, but I would encourage you to check out Chen's work. Go to chenpicks.com and you can sign up directly with Chen um, for his service there at chenpicks.com. Chen remains a good friend of mine. We will trade ideas, investment ideas back and forth from time to time. Uh, but uh, we are no longer providing that service. But um, anyway, we will be in touch with Chen, and I expect he'll be on this show from time to time as a guest as well. ChenPicks.com is a place to go. Uh, I want to encourage you to continue sending along your questions, comments, criticisms, and praises to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show and making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. I also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, sponsors for today's show are Dynasert, uh, Golden Predator, RN Resources, and Novo Resources. Uh, I would like to remind all of you uh, who may be in in and or around Vancouver uh, this uh, towards the end of this week, the next Metals Investor Forum will be held at the Rosewood Hotel that's downtown Vancouver, and that's this coming Friday, the 20th, and Saturday, the 21st. Admission is free, but I'm told that the... Uh, the numbers are really piling up. So whether there will be space for you, uh, you know, you better move fast. Uh, go to jtaylormedia.com, uh, click on the banner on the Metals Investor Forum banner, enter your name and email address, and you'll have a spot at the uh, 
uh, at this event, but the, the space is limited. Uh, it's the uh, hotel is not a, a monstrous place. Uh, there's room for you know six, seven, eight hundred people perhaps, but that's about it. And uh, I'm told that the numbers are really piling up fast now, and it, no doubt because of the gold. Markets have been so kind to gold share investors. People are starting to get interested in buying the gold shares. Uh, so um, I will be speaking uh, there on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And the title of my talk is Something's Got to Give in 2017. Uh, it's a year of tectonic shifts, as Michael Oliver has been reminding us. Actually, uh, towards the end of 2015, Michael started talking about the tectonic shifts in the major markets. And he's been spot on in terms of his uh, warnings about the various markets. Uh, and we will be talking to Michael a little later, uh, right after the first commercial break. In fact, just in a few minutes from now. There are a lot of different companies at this uh, show, and I'll mention their names because uh, some of you may be investors in some of these companies, and you may want to make sure that you show up to meet the CEOs uh, and talk with the management of these of these various uh, exploration companies. Now, the companies that I invited to the show uh, are companies, of course, in my newsletter, because all the new newsletter writers that, uh, that are a part of this show write specifically for their subscribers. They don't get paid by companies, so there is uh, not that normal or that bias um, that you might expect from people that are getting, I mean, if you pay, give me enough money, I'll say a lot of nice things about you. No, that isn't what's in play here. All the newsletter writers like Eric Coffin, uh, John Kaiser, Gwen Preston, Brent Cook, uh, Brian London, myself, we uh, we sell our newsletters to our subscribers, and we don't get paid by companies to say nice things about them. But the four companies that I have been uh, responsible for inviting are Corvus Gold, Falco Resources, Terra X Minerals, and Riverside Resources. And there are some other companies on my list that are also going to be there. Osisco Gold Royalties will be there, Millrock Resources, Marisol Resources, and RN Resources, all companies that I have um, that I have. Um, of course, Aaron has been a, a sponsor of this show and is now a sponsor of this show, one of my favorite companies, so I'm really looking forward to seeing them as well. Some of the other companies that will be there, First Mining Finance, Eurasian Minerals, Bear Creek Mining, San Marco Resources, uh, Gold Quest Mining Corp., uh, Red Eagle Mining Corporation, Uranium Energy Corporation, Vendetta Mining Corp., Next Gen Energy, Nevison Resources, Marisol Resources, Integra Gold, Calibre uh, Mining Corp., Skeena Resources, East Main Resources, Pilot Gold, RN Resources, as I mentioned, Kalinex, Iridine Resources, Playfair Mining, Osprey Gold Corp., Adamera Minerals, and Columbus Gold Corp. So I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, various people, the companies that I follow and some that I have not yet followed, but maybe uh, picking them up in my newsletter. And again, really encourage you to um, give my newsletter a try, $69. Um, just go to miningstocks.com and you can sign up for that. Well, um, I have um, titled today's show, The Seven Deadly Sins of Finance. Uh, Peter Grandich uh, will be with me at about half past the hour, and as I mentioned, just as soon as we come back from the break in a couple of minutes from now, Michael Oliver will be with me as well. With early success as a stockbroker, Peter Grandich was known as the Wall Street whiz kid, but despite money and fame, Peter was very unhappy at times in his life. I've known Peter for quite a few years, actually, some 30 years. 
not only was he unhappy, but he was uh, clinically depressed and uh, actually thought of taking his life at one point. Thankfully, his Christian faith, because of that, Peter found a way to live life in a joyful, peaceful, and happy manner. His bank account may not be quite as big as it once was, but he is happy and he has all the material comforts and more than he needs. Now, I want to ask Peter when he comes to us about a half past the hour to talk to us about the seven deadly sins of finance that he that he discovered in his career on Wall Street and, and uh, that were so responsible for the pain and heartache that he had through uh, much of his life in the hope that perhaps uh, in some ways some of us can benefit from Peter's experience in listening to what he has to say. Uh, we uh, Well, we do have to go to commercial break now, but um, don't go away because Michael Oliver has had just this marvelous track record, really, in terms of not only gold but countless other markets. He'll be with me as soon as we come back from the break, so don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Foreign Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Foreign is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. Golden Predator Mining Corp., a well-financed gold exploration company operating in Canada's Yukon. Focused on advancing its Three Aces project, a high-grade gold project located in the southeast Yukon with gold and quartz outcrops at surface. Ongoing work includes trenching, road work, drilling, and bulk sampling. Golden Predator also holds the par-producing Brewery Creek project located near Dawson City, Yukon. Golden Predator, a company working closely with Yukon First Nations. Golden Predator trades on the Canadian venture market as GPY and in the USOTC market as NTGSF. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times in Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again the most frequent guest we've had on this show in the many years we've been doing it, Michael Oliver. Michael's with me by my request uh, almost every week, and once in a while he can't be with us. Like last week, he missed. He played hooky on us, but uh, I like to have him here. Why do I like to have him here? Because he's just been so darn good. I mean, he's just his, his track record has just been good, and I'm sure... Uh, as a veteran of the markets, he has also been humbled from time to time. But boy, he's been really good. So thanks for joining me again, Michael. Great to be back, Jay. Great to have you. You know, I just uh, 
I know that uh, I was getting a little sweaty palms, a little bit nervous when I saw gold head down there towards uh, those areas. It got really close to the area that you were expecting based on your momentum work. Uh, it, it came really close, but it didn't, it, it didn't violate what you had anticipated uh, on the momentum. And now it looks like we're on to something. Perhaps we're on a, on a new bull run now in gold, Michael? Yeah, I think the pullback was just a very nasty pullback. And you can't have a good pullback unless you do something damaging to what everybody's looking at, namely price charts. That's why we de-emphasize price charts. So when the market came down from the 1300s and blew through 1200, it took out uh, some prior price chart lows. And yeah. that's where the panic, really, the emotion really set in for, you know, the people that own gold stocks and, and, and gold itself. And like, oh, we're going back to the lows and, you know, we're going to make a new low. That, that was the consensus, back to the lows anyway, double bottom. We had a number just below 1120, 1119.60 to be precise. I yes. did not want to see that number. And the reason was, based on annual momentum, I didn't want to see the market go a certain percentage below the three-year average. Mm-hmm. I would allow 8%, but not 10%. So where did it mm-hmm. stop? 1123. <laughs> so I wiped my brow, I wiped my brow and say, okay. And frankly, I would not have gone bearish here. I would have just gone neutral. Yes, but, you uh, And now it's yeah. uh, 1215. So, uh, you know, in a matter of three weeks. So that's fine. Uh, I, I think we're headed back up. The, the key issue is you don't just look at gold. You don't just look at the S&P. You look at all four asset categories. Exchange traded mm-hmm. categories. So look at forex, debt market, commodities, and equities, and you fit them together because, unfortunately, or fortunately, the central banks have tied them together. Right. Such that big movements in something like uh, the euro can have massive effects elsewhere. And right now, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's going on, and that's exactly what we thought would happen. The foreign exchange asset category, especially the dollar and the euro, which are the two biggies out there, forget the little stuff. Uh, didn't move last year. They had a 10% box they were stuck in. And for those currencies, that was very narrow range. It was effectively a trendless situation. The dollar index went up enough to nip out about two years of prior horizontal highs. Again, a price chart, not momentum. And the euro did the opposite. It took out about a year and a half, two years worth of prior lows by just a, a hair, just enough to say, look, I made a new low. And nothing happened. There was no explosion in the dollar, no collapse in the euro. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, so what? And then next thing you know, euro was 103 something, now it's 107 and a half. Uh-huh. And if you hit 108, in my opinion, it's a bull. Annual wow. momentum breaks through last year's high. And if the dollar, which is right dollar index, we're talking about cash index, uh, which is 57% comprised of the euro, touches 99, especially close a month there or lower. Right now it's at 100 and, uh, it'll, and change. So about 1% below the dollar and about a half cent above where the euro is, I think those two beasts wake up. Hmm. And I think their trends go down dollar, up euro. And I think that will have significant effects. And meanwhile, the, the, the tectonic plates, as, as I've called it since 2015, it's now become a popular phrase, uh, are moving a little more obviously. Uh, for example, just since the, this year, the, uh, there's an ETF called the DBA, which is an agricultural futures ETF. Now, last year in the commodity sector, oil, gold, sugar was one, one ag commodity, were the strong ones. And they took the commodity index, like the Bloomberg Commodity Index, up more 
than what the S&P went up. Mm-hmm. In fact, enough to take the Bloomberg into what I consider a bull trend, mm-hmm. an annual momentum bull trend. But mm-hmm. it did it without participation by the, the food commodities, things such mm-hmm. as meat, uh, the growing commodities, also uh, mm-hmm. the grains, cotton, grains. and so forth. Mm-hmm. They were just laying on their back. Uh, mm-hmm. In the case of meats, they were going down. So they weren't participating in aiding and in, in abetting the commodity insurgency, but now they are. Oh. And uh, the DBA, where it is right now, which is an ETF of all the ag futures, basically, uh, not just the grains, but the meats and, and the soft commodities, uh, it's, it's at a level that cannot close the month at, because if it does, it's a breakout. Oh. And, uh, and it's a big one. And so hmm. I think that, that asset category is really going to get its motor going this year, the commodity category. And I think gold is, is going to join in again, resume after its sharp pullback. And um, I think the foreign exchange markets are now going to be players, which they weren't last year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be a fun year. All right. So I guess what you're calling for, with if we have a breakout in the year, then we can look for quite a bit of weakness in the dollar, and that should be bullish for gold that, and for silver and for the commodities. And remember, uh, gold's done a lot. Um, even at 1200 versus its 1050 low of 2015, uh-huh. um, and 1200, you know, 1215 right now is off the highs of last year. But still, that's up significantly considering that the dollar for two years has gone nowhere. No, that's true. When you look at the dollar right now at 100 and change, uh, you could have traded that price in 2016 and traded that price in 2015. It's gone nowhere. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. the gold's done a lot without the assistance of the dollar. Imagine the dollar getting weak. Mm. Uh, that would right. uh, you know, definitely assist the commodity insurgency. Should be super bullish for gold. Uh, Michael, while you're, we're on the topic of uh, agricultural uh, agricultural investments, MOO, M-O-O, is an ETF that you talked about in the past. Do you still, how, how does that look and what is that about and it, how does that differ a, from DDA? It, that's a very, you know, if you're an RIA, registered investment advisor or uh-huh. asset manager, you constantly have customers complaining about, I, dude, it's got to be in this market, meaning the stock market. Yeah. And uh-huh. there's ways to solve that without really being in the market. And that's mm-hmm. by emphasizing participation in stocks that, or ETFs that are related, and in my opinion, this year is going to be a great place to be, agriculturally related or commodity related stocks. Last year, oil stocks did well. Mm-hmm. But I think this year it's going to shift more toward the the ones that didn't do so well last year, that's the ag commodities, and the companies related thereto. And there is an ETF called Moo, which is uh, of stocks, not, of, not it's not a commodity ETF, uh, and it contains agricultural industry stocks, very broad spectrum. Okay. That's a good place to look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh. it'll beat the market, and it uh, probably is going up, because I think the ag markets are... Also, I think this all helps the emerging markets. So I'd be looking at EEM, the Emerging Market ETF. Right. Well, that that would certainly make sense with a weaker yeah. dollar and all that. Um, yeah, and and the strong commodities, which a lot of these countries are, you know, commodities. producers rate. of sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. No, mm-hmm. no, no question about it. Well, what about you've talked about, uh, you know, the T bond or the U.S. Treasuries as well as gold being a. A safe haven, I, I guess. Uh, equities looking weak to you now, or you, you think that this might well, be the year that the S and P gives up the ghost? They fought for. If we close the week out at twenty two sixty three, and this, we traded below there just today, it took a arm wrestling match to get us down there. Uh, I'd say you're in a little bit of trouble. The question is, uh, a little bit of trouble is one thing; big, a lot of trouble is another. Uh, I've got numbers just above twenty two hundred. Just above twenty two ten, to be more precise, and down around twenty one eighty three. So there's a minefield zone 
So the top of that zone is only about 2% below the current market. So if you happen to get into a little bit of trouble that gets you into that zone, I think it's over. I think you've seen your high. And then the question only becomes, so what's the speed and the, the dance steps on the way down? Mm-hmm. And I've got two, two minefields that I've explained to my subscribers and defined for them, uh, where if the S&P tri- uh, trips on down into these minefields, uh, we go down. And now the T-bonds are a different issue. A T-bonds are a bear market, in my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. since the T-bond futures traded down through the mid-160s. Right now they're in the low 150s on a rally. I think the rally yeah. is justified. I think we're going higher, like maybe into the 156 at least, maybe the high 150s. But that mm-hmm. is a counter-trend, short-covering type rally. It's not really a trend indicative. And I think ultimately by the end of the year, we're going to see the T-bonds are in decline. Rates are going up, coincident with stock market decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, periodically, obviously, if you get a sharp stock market void, a vacuum or something, you're going to have a rally in the T-bonds. But mm-hmm. don't let that confuse you as to the trend. The trend in T-bonds, in my opinion, is now down big time. Rates mm-hmm. are going up. I think you could see an excess of 4% this year in long bonds. Right now, they're, wow. just, they're around 3 mm. Um That's significant. Oh. Well, that's significant, and you know, a lot of people are thinking with higher rates that shouldn't be bullish for uh, for the commodities. Uh, but I guess you you could have a weaker a weaker currency and and uh, higher rates would go go with a weaker currency yeah, as well. I, I, I think, yes, I, yeah, I, I, that's that's the way the pieces fit. I think yes. Right, you know, so it's it's very difficult. There's so many different moving pieces, but um, mm-hmm. so we're we're looking at you know, I mean, there's there's people like I was reading uh, uh, Hugo Salinas Price, a very well known. Uh, Mexican investor, billionaire uh, guy who's a real silver bug, and he's he's talking. He's really concerned right now about this massive amount of uh, what he believes that the crack up boom is over. The the Austrian phrase for, as you know, for money flowing into the system, that, that it's really reached its peak. And when we decided, uh, the Fed decided it was going to stop uh, printing money or stop uh, its uh, uh, excessive printing money, as it was. Uh, that that was the end of it, and in fact, he thinks we're in for for quite a cataclysmic decline uh, in asset prices in general and stocks and bonds. I think he, I don't know if he thinks they're going to carry over to commodities or not, but the point is, what I like about your work and what it's really helpful to me and I think many other people who tend to look at things from a fundamental perspe- perspective uh, is that uh, you're blind to that stuff. I mean, you know and you can think as well as anybody else about the fundamentals that are going on in the market, but you also know that you don't know it all, that you're om- not omniscient. And the markets seem to have more knowledge than even a bright guy like you has. And so, uh, you know, we really want to thank you for sharing your your wisdom and your help. I think you've been very helpful. I know you've been very helpful to me, Michael, and you've been well, very helpful, I know, you. to a lot of my <laughs> listeners. And so I would just tell my listeners uh, that you should go to MS, OliverMSA.com and check out Michael's work. If you're a serious investor of any size, you might want to seriously consider subscribing to Michael. He gives you a little bit of information on this show, but nothing like you get as a regular subscriber. I know because I get his stuff every day, uh, almost every day, Michael, you put something out. And we talk about the major markets here, but Michael talks about lots and lots of different markets. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have trouble finding a time when you've been wrong. I'm sure you've had some wrong calls in your career. But um, since I've been following you over the last two or three years, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm having trouble finding some. When, uh, Michael, when you make a, when you make a mistake, uh, let us know, okay? Okay, will do. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it has to yeah. happen. It has to happen. It, yeah, you know. and I know, and I, and I was, uh, I was, I was beginning to wonder as gold went down, but you know, it, it sort of kissed that, that floor that you put that in there. The on your... Joe, uh, uh, Jay, that was one of the closest ones I've ever had. I did not. Yeah. I, I told investors ignore the sell-off because the problem is once the sell-off occurs, unless it, it you got to my number, which it did not. Yeah. I said. The problem for investors is going to be, where do you get back in? Because yeah. if, you, if it runs you out, where's your yeah. magic spot to get back in? And that is really going to be a problem for the people who dumped out recently because it's already probably back above the level that most of the people panicked. Sure. So they're already got a real quandary now. Yeah. You know, where do I get back yeah. in this thing? And now, especially since they're burnt, yeah. they probably aren't inclined to want to, and therefore they're going to miss it. Yeah. And, well, oh, I know. That's just... You know. That's the problem, the whipsaw oh. effect that uh, can really be devastating. Thank you very much, Michael, for being with us, and I hope you can be with us again next week. Thanks, and all the best to you. Well, well, folks, uh, don't go away. We're going to be talking to Peter Granich as soon as we come back from break. So uh, Peter has some very interesting things to say, uh, experiences that he's had in his life that I think can be very helpful to, to me and to you as well. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter Granich. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network Novo Resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects. Its flagship asset is the Beaton's Creek Gold Project in Western Australia, where it is currently processing a 30,000-ton bulk sample. Novo also controls 100% interest in the Blue Spec Gold Antimony Project, where it is conducting a 10,000-meter drill program. The company has over $7 million in cash and enjoys strong shareholder support from the likes of Eric Sprott and Newmont Mining. It trades in Canada and the U.S. under the Symbols NVO and NSRPF, respectively. Dynasert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Peter Grantage. Peter's been a, a guest of this show before, uh, but um, I'm actually anticipating and having Peter with us uh, 
perhaps once a month or so uh, in the in the foreseeable future. So uh, starting next month, I guess Peter will probably be back with us. You know, the title of this program is Turning Hard Times into Good Times. The trouble is, most of the time, the subject matter that we deal with on this show is based not so much on good times as it is on a world in moral, political, and economic decay. When our focus, uh, you know, when we focus just on on the realities of this fallen world with no hope for anything beyond the four dimensions of time and space that we mere mortals can comprehend, well, life can be quite a bummer at times and very depressing, for sure. The standard uh, idea that we have and we've been given to by our mainstream media and by by our society in general is that in order to be happy and have lots of fun in life, to enjoy life to its fullest, you need to have lots of money, lots of power, fame, maybe good looks. Uh, You need to be praised by other people. But some of the least happy people are those who have made their money or fame or power, made made those items their God. And uh, no one knows that better than Peter Granich, my good friend, uh, whom I've known for upwards to 30 years now, I guess, but with no formal education. You know, Peter entered Wall Street in the mid-1980s, and within three years, he was appointed vice president of investment strategy for a leading New York Stock Exchange member firm, and given his success as a market forecaster, he was a frequent guest on national television, and he became, you know, a big star. So Peter had a taste of fame and fortune, but that wasn't always bringing him the true happiness and the kind of peace and joy in life that he craved. But over the past several years, Peter has found much of what he has been looking for in all the wrong places. And I'd say that through his Christian faith, he has been able to, in fact, turn hard times into good times, at least as he now defines good times. Uh, I should mention uh, before we start talking to Peter that he is a regular guest every Friday on the Drew Mariani Show. That's a, a Catholic radio station uh, called Relevant Radio. I listen to it frequently when I'm driving around town. You can listen to it, I think, in the New York City area, probably in some of the Midwestern towns, Chicago, maybe up in Wisconsin. I'm not sure where all, but you can listen to it as well at relevantradio.com. And Peter is on there with Drew Mariani every Friday between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and it's my understanding that Peter is one of their uh, one of their biggest draws, and so he's he's on, I think, almost every Friday. Uh, in addition to getting Peter's uh, take on the economy here on when we talk to him here in the, over the next several weeks uh, or months, uh, we want to talk to him not only about you know some some of the market issues and ideas, which I, I do want to ask him about those, but also some of the intangible things in life that can and has made a more peaceful, fulfilling, and joyous life for Peter. Uh, in the hope that perhaps some of it can rub off on us and we we may be able to learn some of the things that Peter has learned through uh, the hard knocks of life that he's gone through. Um, So anyway, Peter, thanks for joining me today, and I look forward to talking to you on a regular basis. Well, thank you, Jay, and uh, it's just about 30 years ago when I first met you, so uh, time has flown in some incidents, and sometimes it feels like it's a long, long time ago. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday to me, and I can remember. Uh, I can remember um, when I first learned to know you. I think it was pretty much the miraculous birth of your daughter, too. I mean, it was she wasn't expected to make it. I think, or your. I don't remember the details of that, Peter, but I remember that there was uh, there was you know there was great sure, concern. Sure, what actually happened concern. was uh, we met uh, after the crash in '87, which kind of uh-huh. gave me the claim to fame and the subsequent rise. 
I was actually invited to then when it was the New York Gold Show before it went to Boston and then came back. And I uh-huh. actually met you then, and you started to uh, come down and do some charity uh, conferences I had down on the Jersey Shore. Yes. And you're uh-huh. right. My daughter, my wife, uh, in a fifth month of pregnancy, was uh, diagnosed uh, uh, as a, a child was going to be spinal bifida, but through what mm. we believe was a uh, Catholic healing mass. Uh, a, a great healing was done, and when she was born, she was fine. And uh, we've known each other ever since. And of course, we spent many, probably two, two and a half decades, seeing each other every few months at uh, investment conferences around the world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Vancouver, Toronto. Uh, we've we've been out in San Francisco and down in California, down in uh, Arizona, places like that. I know Peter. So, yeah, it's it's really great uh, to hear these these things. You know, I mean, most people. What is really easy for us to understand, Peter, are the four dimensions of time and space. Well, that's not so easy either. I mean, science uh, is still discovering things, amazing, uh, the amazing aspects of our world. Uh, so even within the four dimensions of time and space, it's not so easy to understand. But at least we can get a handle on that. What most people can't understand and what, in fact, I think we've been taught to believe by our secular humanist society is that there isn't any existence outside of the four uh, the four dimensions of time and space. And so I know that you and I both believe there are, that there is an existence beyond our life here on Earth. And that, and that really makes all the difference in the world, I think. If you don't believe that, then what the heck? Just go for it, right? And see what you can get away with and, and, and go for what the world decides is, is going to make you happy. All this money and power and fame things that people really want to have. But I, I know that um, you and I have both, you know, have, have both talked about this in the past. Um, before we get, I want to ask you about the seven deadly sins uh, of finance, which I guess you've discovered probably through your own experiences, right, Peter? That's what, that's right, where you came right. to those. So, so but, but I'd like to just respond real quickly to what something you just said. I, I'm often asked, I've spent the last 15 years, uh, becoming engrossed in, in, in my Catholic Christian faith. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm often, you know, meet people who don't have the same beliefs, and rather than try to beat into their mind, I share the thought of this, and that there's really only three possibilities of what's going to transpire. What we or what some religion believes is, is what it's going to be, uh, religion, ours or all of them, is just a uh, you know poppycock, and it's just you know made up, and yeah. we just cease to exist. Or three, it's something we don't know. And mm-hmm. I always like to say that uh, well, if it's the second one, well, it won't matter what we thought, whether we believed or not, we'll just go poof. Yeah. If it's something <laughs> we don't know, then the only thing I got to go on is that ever arranged that also arrange this earth and the universe and so forth. So I have a feeling that that is something fairly good because there was a lot of good built here. Man might have changed mm-hmm. it into bad, but what was built and what, what was created was good. And if yeah. it's the first, what we believe, well, then that's you know really something to think about because it has an upside and it has a downside. But someone want to ask me, well, what if, if it isn't true? And I've learned that living a Christian life whether it's going to lead to what we believe it is or not is just a better way to live. Mm-hmm. And it's opened up and has given me a peace, especially in these last few years, that when worth and fame and fortune was much higher uh, and measured in man's eyes mm-hmm. than it is now for me, 
I didn't have one-tenth the peace and happiness that I have now. So for me, and that's all I can do, I can just share what's worked for me. Sure. And if people feel it, it, it's something that they like to know more of, then, then they will. And if not, well, that's their choice. That's, yeah. that's what I believe the Creator, one of the many great gifts He's given us, and that's freedom of choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing that we want to do or anybody should want to do is to try to force other people into believing uh, into believing. It's certainly not the not what Christ taught, Jesus taught when he was uh, when he was on earth. It was it was a matter of free will. So uh, we all have that will. Well, before I ask you about some of these seven deadly sins of finance, um, I'd like you to talk a little bit, Peter, about your formative years, because, uh, and, and before you get into that, let me just mention the book that you've written, uh, The Confessions of a Former Wall Street Whiz Kid. Uh, people can pick up this book where, Peter? Because it is a remarkable read, and I want to get into the first chapter of this a little bit about your formative years, but where can people pick up this book? Well, they can, act, they can do two things. If they like, they can purchase it on Amazon. Uh, but it is available, if they don't mind reading it online, at our website, uh, petergranish.com. And if you go down the left side, you'll see it says Peter's Book. And you can literally read it online for free. You don't have to provide anything, not even an email. And, and they can read it there as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let, let's talk. Chapter 1 deals with your youth. Uh, the formative years, and you were the most unlikely sort of a guy to have fame and fortune on Wall Street, given your uh, given your upbringing. Uh, talk a little bit about that, if sure. you would, Peter. Born to a uh, non-practicing Catholic father and non-practicing Jewish mother, I never had an ounce of any religious training. I was baptized, and then my mother believed she wanted to raise me Jewish, my father would have nothing to do with it, and I would have no other religious experience until eventually at age 23 I would meet my future wife who was born and raised in Ireland, was asked to get married by a father in Ireland, and I had to become Catholic in order to do that. But you're right, how I entered, I didn't finish high school. Uh, I, in fact, was a warehouse manager and had a penny stock broker uh, I turned a small amount of money into a fairly large sum trading stock options only to lose the entire sum through the penny stock broker. However, uh, I got an insight to what, is, what was then we would call back then stockbrokers, and I felt that I wanted to be one. And in uh, March of 1984, uh, I became one. And uh, it was very unusual. Uh, still to this day, the majority of people are... Uh, either Wharton School or MBAs or highly educated. And here was this kid from the Bronx who really had more fun in the disco than any other place. And I know you <laughs> mentioned the picture that's in there when I was about yeah. over 50 pounds lighter, uh, yeah. Disco Pete. But I literally lived for the weekend, and here I was, a, uh, a young man that had trouble with uh, two or three syllable words or larger, competing with Harvard and other types of uh folks. And what really happened was, and what really started everything, Jay, was I couldn't cold call. Back then, cold call was the lifeline of a stockbroker. So I literally started what became known as the Grandage Newsletter in lieu of calling people, writing down thoughts and ideas and publishing it. Uh, I got uh, discovered by a a branch manager of a New York stock exchange firm. I worked my way onto the old financial news network before there was CNBC. And then... uh, got promoted to head of investment strategy and then wrote a 
famous, for me anyway, piece in August of 87 about a coming crash. The crash occurred in October of 1987, and on the next day, I made a forecast that the market would recover within two years, and yada, yada, yada. And that was really the, the beginning of what led to, uh, you know, to where we are today. Yeah, I, I might mention also, and, and we want to get into this, uh, if not today, sometime in the near future, Peter, some of your other activities now. As I look through your book, I'm seeing some famous athletes that, you, uh, that, you, that you've become familiar with, and some of these also, I guess, share your Christian faith, and, uh, and you've been involved with them. We'll, we'll talk about that in the future, but I'm, I, I, I'm looking here, Eli Manning, a uh, picture of Eli Manning with your daughter, and uh, yeah, really great. I would, I would just tell people that they should pick up a copy or go to Peter's website and look at confessions uh, of a former Wall Street Wizards kid. Well, Peter, let's talk a little bit about the seven deadly sins that you that you mentioned, the seven deadly sure. sins of finance. Now, as I understand, these are things that you sort of got into, you sort of learned the hard way, or learned yeah, by the, so. the school of hard knocks. Believing you can predict future market movements is the first one. Right. So what has transpired is... Uh, I like to say after being a legend in my own mind and turning the Ten Commandments into the Ten Suggestions, uh, losing millions not once but twice, uh, and in a sense getting to the point where depression led to hospitalization and a lost will to live, I think I can speak from somewhat an authority about mistakes. And so I came up with, because I believe everything now is led through my Christian faith, I came up with what I call the seven deadly sins of finance. And the very first one uh, pretty well knocks me out of the box to be involved in anything that I used to do, whether it's investment conferences, appearing in the media and what have you, because I concluded for myself that one of the seven deadly sins is believing I could predict and continuously predict future market movements. In mm. fact, the third edition of the book, which you refer to, uh, the first two editions was called Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid. I changed it to a former because Whiz Kid gave people perception that somehow I was somewhat very smart or maybe knew the future, and uh, 30 years has taught me no one but God knows the future. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very, very dangerous to expect and to believe uh, that uh, people on a regular basis can predict the future. And we know that from a factual situation uh, Jay, and that is that 80% of active money managers, managers who are, uh, when we say active versus passive, then it's not an index fund. It's, it's someone is moving money in and out of different places and things. 80% in stocks and 85% in bond fund managers uh, don't perform equally to diversified index funds. And in stocks, mm-hmm. the 20% that beat it this year, 90-something percent don't beat it next year. So for me, it seemed futile to stay on a belief that I could do that and actively uh, manage money and be successful other than for myself because I would always still make money from commissions or fees or what have you. So I've concluded for for my sake and anybody that cared to listen, the first deadly sin is to believe we we know the future. Only God really knows the future. Right. Well, that's that's. Uh, I I totally agree with you there. Uh, having said that, we just talked to Michael Oliver, who's uh, on this show almost every week, and Michael has had a, a remarkable track record as a technical analyst 
But he's not really calling definite prices. He's looking as time goes on to his momentum readers, and, and he's suggesting where people should be cautious and when they might add or when they might uh, oh, reduce their positions. I, I, I think position. you're entitled to go out and speculate and say, mm-hmm. well, I think this can happen. What I think the mistake is to think anyone or group will constantly be able to do that on a regular sure. basis. And, sure. and, and it actually falls into number two, if, if I can, if it be so yes, kind Yes, please, go ahead, that. yeah. The, mm-hmm. the second one is what we call utilizing traditional financial place, planning methods. Mm-hmm. Most, almost all financial plans that I see people do, and, and this is no disrespect to any individual or even a type of group, but mm-hmm. this is the generalization of how Wall Street works. When you and I started, we had pads and a pen. Now it's 400-page computer printouts with all sorts of charts and graphs and bells and whistles. But at the end of the day, in order for a financial plan to work, there were four factors that would make it up. Uh, interest rates, tax rates, inflation rates, and rates of returns. Those four things would impact what's going to happen with your wealth and portfolio and et cetera than any other factors. Well, if you look back to number one, since no one can actually predict those on a regular basis, yeah. <laughs> eventually one or more of those factors will not be judged right. What happens in our business and what keeps those of us in the business living pretty well is when eventually we do wrong and someone gets upset and they leave, someone got upset and left someone else and that person came to me. And uh-huh. so it, it's a spinning wheel, but uh, we just don't believe it can uh, work. Well, I've c- concluded that the best I could ever do uh, as a planner is make the Chevy run the way the manual said. I can't mm-hmm. make the Chevy into a Cadillac. And unfortunately, for much of my life and much of what I saw in the industry, it gave an allure that they can turn a Chevy into a Cadillac, and it, and it just doesn't happen. And if it happens, it happens too infrequent, and most people don't get to participate in it. Right. So that's uh, that's the marketing ploy, though, that you're going to turn the Chevy into a Cadillac. Um, or something even more. Yeah, well, yeah, let's let's go for While we're at it, let's go for a Rolls-Royce. Um, the third one is assuming financial advice is unbiased and objective. Well, I, when I write about companies, I certainly try to do that as best I can. But, um, but I guess what you're saying is that you really need to realize that people who are writing these reports for these brokerage firms and so forth are probably not necessarily having their clients' best, uh, their best wishes in mind. Is that, is that what you're it's saying? Not, it is bad at times. It doesn't mean let, – let's take you, for example. I, I'm only on here – and you know I've divorced myself from pretty well everybody and anything that I once was involved with, but you always have been in my book the exception to the rule. I have no doubt that when you sit there, you don't sit there contemplating, let me say this because someone's going to buy into it and I make a dollar. What mm-hmm. I'm saying in this part of point is just remember, just like in everything else, somebody has some sort of personal motive for what they're doing. I watched people, uh, I remember us at conferences, and we could give a talk, and by the time we're done, the audience is not only uh, invested in what we talked about, but they spent the imaginary money they expect it's going to make and, <laughs> and already have plans of what they're going to do with it. 
<laughs> and uh, you and I both know that, uh, I think anyway, uh, you and I were the exception to the rule on some of the, the places we went. I think there uh-huh. was a lot of bias information that wasn't being shared and people weren't disclosing. I mean, the big joke about me, people used to say, is my disclaimer was longer than my commentary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the bottom line is, is just don't treat it across the board that way. And unfortunately, a lot of people place, you know, there's a guy on TV that rings bells and does other crazy stuff, and anybody that's been with him a long time realizes he's not very good at it, but he's entertaining, and uh, for a while, people get hooked into that, and they think because he's on a national network show, he must be smart, and before they know it, they're involved, and it doesn't take too long before they wish they weren't. But So I, I just remember to tell people, just remember there is potential for bias and maybe not total objectiveness. All right. The fourth one that you have listed here is the sin of arrogance. It seems to me would go go with perhaps the first the first one as well. But but talk to us about that, the sin yeah, of arrogance. I, I, we're running out of time, so I want to get through them. This one is where hubris, and even I was very guilty of it, comes involved. And that is is that we think we're all knowing. And I, I remember, Jay, when the market didn't go in the right way, the market was doing something wrong, not me. I was yeah. never wrong. The market just didn't do what it was supposed to do, and, and that's a form of arrogance. And arrogance is is a deadly sin, not just in finances, but in life itself. No doubt about it. Uh, the big lie, more money equals more happiness. Well, uh, you and I both know I that's not true. I say that, and, and, and you cannot be more accurate. Wall Street would have you believe that the guy driving the bus can never be as happy as the guy that owns the bus company. Yeah. And all the commercials and everything you watch is driven, the hidden belief is we can make you more money and it'll lead to what all the things you want to do. But in real life, some of the most unhappiest people are the people with the most money. In fact, some of the happiest people I've met are people with little or no money. So I believe a deadly sin is simply think what Wall Street tries to teach and that more money will equal more happiness. Yeah, it seems the people that don't have money sort of take the joy in the little things in life, the, the family, their their wives, their kids. Uh, simple things, and uh, and that really is, I think, where real happiness uh, comes from. We're not we're not telling people uh, to throw away your money. You, we're supposed to be good stewards of it. And I know I hope to talk to you about that sometime in the future too, Peter, to get some some of your counsel on how we can take care of the gifts that you and I believe are given to us by God. How do we best take care of those uh, and nurture them and grow them as we're supposed to too? But not at the expense of the of, of other values. So, uh, the sixth one is participating in mental anguish. I know that's something that you definitely went through at times in the past. Well, Peter, not only had that. I gone through it, but I probably over the years were not purposely wanting to cause it for others. Again, take that scenario I gave you where people already envisioned and went out and spent the money before we were even done speaking. Yeah. And yet, when things didn't work out. What I saw over time is financial losses weren't anywhere near severe as the mental aspect of people having to deal with those financial losses. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's changed lives. And I don't think Wall Street teaches to this day its advises to be cautious and to be overly cautious so to prevent or lessen potential mental anguish. I think people come in and see the, the, the best case scenario and never think out the worst case scenario. And I think mental language is far worse than actual financial losses. I, the, when I lost through that young broker, 
I was over the financial loss of it within six months, but it took me years to get over, especially when I came as stockbroker and I realized what he did to me. So the mental anguish is something to be very concerned about. Yeah, it, uh, it, it certainly is. And uh, it, you know, it's people, a lot of times marriages are broken up and, and lots of bad things happen when people lose money. And, and some people can actually look at the stock market as a gambling casino, which I guess you could make the case that's pretty much what it is a lot of times. Well, just remember this before we get to the seventh and run out of time. Wall Street was very smart long before you and I entered it. They realized for a lot of things they do was gambling, but they created a word that turned it from gambling to sounding like it was investing, and it's called speculating. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if you, if you take the word speculating out, the next time you hear somebody use it and assert gambling, you'll yeah. realize that speculating and gambling are basically the same thing. Right, I suppose so. Although I suppose you could make the case that uh, when you're speculating, you're doing it on some some information you believe to be correct. But in any event, procrastination, with four minutes left, we got time yet, Peter. Talk to us about procrastination. Well, that's probably, it should be, if you reversed it, it wouldn't be bad to be number one versus number seven. For instance, uh-huh. right now, uh, just about 80 to at least 90% of the people listening to us or listening to any financial program uh, are operating on the basis that their plan is an emotional one. They don't have any set guidelines. In other words, like you talked about the technician. Well, at least the technician has a, listen, if this hits this price, we need to sell or buy. Most mm-hmm. people's plan right now is just flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, and then what happens, they will, uh, they will just, you know, okay, it started to turn down, but what should I do now? And again, uh, what they end up becoming is usually very good in a spiritual strategy, but it's a horrible investment strategy. They get into the hope scenario. Well, I just mm-hmm. hope this stock goes back so I can get out of it. I just hope yeah. the market turns around so I can do this. Hope is, is a tremendous blessing that God gives us in general life, but it's a horrific strategy to take when it comes to investing. Uh, right. It doesn't work on hope. You have to have set plans, and one of the things I find, the very few people who don't, or if, I'm sorry, the very few uh, people that do, they don't prescate. They, they have set plans. If certain things take place, they take action. You know, it's the old story. Some people uh, make things happen. Some people watch what happened, and some people wonder what happened. And <laughs> you really have to make things happen when you're involved in a financial planning strategy. Right. Well, I think probably uh, when you buy something, have an exit strategy, I guess is what you're saying. That's that's one thing. And, that, and, and, and have it set in stone and, and yeah. not, uh, you know, fluctuate or, or say, well, let me just watch and see what happens. Again, it, it's it's one of the worst ways people can go about handling their finances. No question about it. Well, Peter, with about one minute left yet uh, in a couple of days, we're going to have a new president. Uh, any quick thoughts about that? Well, I think the market rallied a tremendous amount on the expectations. Uh, I think it's priced in a lot of good things hopefully happening. I hope they happen, but I, I think it's going to be a lot tougher sled than people believe it's going to be. And uh, I just I think right now, error on the side of caution. And again, I'm not into market timing or anything of that anymore. But uh, maybe for another day, and I know it's your specialty, I myself and just for myself uh, have mostly cash, gold, and a couple of gold stocks. I have really no general equity exposure at this time. That works for me. It, it may not work for a lot of others, but that's where I'm positioned. 
Well, to the extent it works uh, or makes sense, we want to get your thoughts along some of those lines too in the future, Peter. But mainly we want to talk to you about uh, some of the other aspects that aren't so commonly discussed. We really do want to try to use your experience to turn hard times into good times. Thank you for, so much for being with us, Peter, and we'll look to do it again in a, in a few weeks from now. Thank you very much, Jay. All right. Well, folks, that is all the time we have today. Uh, next week, uh, Richard Mayberry will be my guest. Uh, he'll have some very interesting things to say about President Trump then when I ask him if uh, Trump is America's last hope for survival, as uh, Jim Rickards suggested on this show. Uh, in any event, uh, be sure to tune in to Rick Mayberry next week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks to Tacey Trump, my producer, Matt Widener, my engineer. Thanks to all of you again for listening. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dinosert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. Golden Predator Mining Corp., a well-financed gold exploration company operating in Canada's Yukon. Focused on advancing its Three Aces project, a high-grade gold project located in the southeast Yukon with gold and quartz outcrops at surface. Ongoing work includes trenching, road work, drilling, and bulk sampling. Golden Predator also holds the par-producing Brewery Creek project located near Dawson City, Yukon. Golden Predator, a company working closely with Yukon First Nations. Golden Predator trades on the Canadian venture market as GPY and in the USOTC market as NTGSF.